0: Hey y'all, just a quick heads up, the episode you're about to listen to is 8 to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time, times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. It's the Creative Pep Talk Podcast, and this is the man who does the talking on the show. This is me, Andy J. Miller, uh, illustrator, designer kind of guy, uh, and I'm the guy who speaks on this, and I'm about to get you pepped up. Get prepared to be insanely prep, pepped up for your creative uh, day. Um <laughs> I kind of describe myself as the uh creative Matt Foley, if you know what that means. Um so today on the podcast, um we are going to talk about maybe the biggest problem that you, I I think you need to solve when it comes to your creative career. And it's really knowing what it is you want? How s- small of a thing that seems to be, when in the reality, I really think that it's make or break. And, you know, I think there's some little nuances here that I'll get into later, that I think explain a little bit, um, that kind of further dive into maybe the the small issues with this idea, but. I really think that this is one of the keys to a successful career in the creative world. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it I did a poster a few years back uh, that said "Do what you love," and I think um, in the past year or two, there's been a real bit pushback onto that kind of sentimentality, um, and I think for good reason. I think that you know it's a it's kind of like a little pithy little thing that you put out there, and there's always you know any extreme definitive statement like that there's always a bunch of uh, nuances that it's ignoring but uh but i think that there is still truth in do it you love but i think that maybe you need to take a step further and i'll i'll tell you what got me thinking about this i was watching um so james victory does these amazing little YouTube videos called Burning Questions, where he answers questions that are sent to him, Um, and he's like a designer, and they're really awesome, and in one episode, he, in an offhanded comment, mentions this book called Think and Grow Rich, and he says that he kind of swears by it, and so I went to check it out, and it's actually this really crazy, ridiculous book from, uh, I don't know... Fifty years ago, maybe more, and um, it's kind of got the essence, it's got the vibe of like, a, um, uh, like a get-rich-quick kind of thing, but it's more interesting than that. I personally have like this um, kind of fetish for things that are outlandishly kind of ridiculous, like get-rich-quick schemes, and um, I don't know, crazy fluffy ideas i i don 't know it in kind of like a um, detached kind of like i 'm just fascinated by by people that go out and make these bold claims and stuff i just it, i don 't know it 's just so interesting to me, so this book is kind of like uh, i read i didn 't read it all, but I read quite a bit at the beginning and um, I thought it was really interesting and profound one one part of it is that. I think he's saying do what you love, but I think something that he's tacked on to further is find what it is you really love. Like find, like that's the precursor to this. And I think that's one of the things that where I've seen do what you love really fall on its face is when you're trying to help somebody who really doesn't know what they love, what do you do? But actually, I feel like I've developed um, some ideas around this uh, on on how to actually um, analyze and research and then experiment and and try to really boil down what it is you're looking for. And I think that that process is actually really good for... um, really figuring out what it is you want, want to do and, and here's why I think it's such a giant problem because I think when you don't really know what you want there are a slew of issues that come from that there, these are the symptoms of not knowing what you want so you either A, do nothing you know when I was in high school um, before I really found art I was just totally um, directionless And I was apathetic about life, and all I really cared about was partying, to be honest, and girls. And I don't think that's necessarily uh, a unique story um, for high schoolers. But, you know, I I didn't take school seriously at all. I didn't take my life seriously. I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. And I was just completely apathetic about life. And I think when you really don't know what you want, it can often cause you to do nothing at all. And when you do nothing, nothing happens. You don't... I think it's so rare that um, the fairy godmother comes out of nowhere and comes and gives you everything you didn 't know you already wanted for for no reason, and sometimes I think when you 're reading these interviews with these famous artists or whoever, there are certain people out there that want to push this idea you know everybody pushes their own experience there are Few exceptions to the rule with the fairy godmother. There are people out there who do sit around and have it handed to them on a silver platter. But there's a there's this uh, pastor from the south called Andy Stanley that uh, that uh, my dad likes, and he um, I heard him say something once, interesting, really interesting that I've, I keep going back to, which was. Uh, Plan, uh, planning on being the exception is like saying your financial future and financial plan is to win the lottery. Planning on winning the lottery is not a plan at all because you can't plan on being the exception. That's not, a, that's the opposite of a plan. And I think there's some of these artists that, in the interviews, they say, "Oh, you really don't need to be strategic. You don't really don't overthink it. Just let it happen." And I'll tell you what: I have a, 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 a few people I know pretty well. They just let it happen. They work it. They they you know they they work in jobs that they hate. They were just letting it happen. They're not fulfilling their potential. I don't. I think it's. You know. I think everybody wants to just tell their story, and um, you know. And I think a lot of times you you use that to give advice, but I think it's a little bit um, sketchy for those people to go around um, to people the for the exceptions to go around and say just be the exception. I, I think that 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 gets a little bit sketchy. So I think d- when you don't know what you want, you you more often than not end up doing nothing. Now the second thing that I think that um, that you do when you don't know what you want is you try to do everything. So you might not be doing nothing, but when you really don't have a good sense of what you want, you're going to be trying to do everything. And I think when I first started out in my creative career... As an illustrator, I was trying to do everything. I was trying to do gallery work. I was trying to do editorial stuff. I was trying to do books. I was trying to do advertising. I was trying to do animation. I was trying to do, I was trying to do everything that I could possibly do. And I think that, um, and I was doing patterns. And, and I think for a time, uh, when you're starting out, that's not the worst thing. But somewhere along the line, you've got to figure – you've got to boil it down a little bit. And I think even recently this was brought to my attention. So I was watching um, this video of one of my favorite artists and, and – who I'm not going to name just because I think uh, it's more effective if I don't. And I, and I was watching him and I, and I was thinking about his career. And his career looked so streamlined, you know, um, so curated, just very intentional. Perf- everything looks perfect, and it's and it always kind of felt like that from the, uh, the the whole time. If you look back through his whole kind of uh, public career as an artist, it just looks so intentional. Every step just mapped out so nicely. And uh, watching that video, I started getting that feeling that I'm sure most of you get, which is that jealousy, like, oh, I suck so bad. And, uh, I started to sort through that because I think jealousy is a complicated feeling. It's almost like a secondary feeling of, um, and, and I think it's something that you got, you got to work out, you have to work through it. Um, because sometimes you can take that jealousy and it can turn into something, uh, amazing It can turn into something that motivates you That helps you understand What it is you want But sometimes if you don't know what you want That jealousy and those feelings Actually put you onto A different path That you are you were never supposed to be on So I went on a walk And I started to like sort through what What's really going on there And I started to think about uh, What I know about this artist And I realized that A majority of the artists that have that very nicely curated, intentional kind of art portfolio that's very um, personally driven, that's not real commercially minded, that doesn't seem to take any compromises, the majority of people, including this artist, that take that path have to do a lot of part-time and full-time work doing other things for a very long time, if not forever. I was recently listening to uh, one of my favorite podcasts, which you know, um, Sam Weber's Your Dreams, My Nightmares, and he was interviewing some young new graduates in illustration and they were saying that they would rather um, compromise uh, part of their week with a part-time job and then spend the rest of their week doing full-time work. Are doing not full time' doing the rest of their week doing work that 's no compromise at all that 's completely self generated and Sam was saying that most of the illustrators he knows would rather be compromising a little bit on all the things that they work on and work on them all the time and When I thought through all of those things, I realized is that I realized that what i 've always wanted and I always knew that I wanted was to be doing work. That I loved, that was my thing every day. And if I had to compromise a little bit on on all of it, I wouldn't really, it didn't, I didn't mind at all because I wanted to do commercial work. I wanted to do work um, that was paying my bills, that was also stuff that I loved every day. And I, you know, when I'd graduated, I had some part time jobs and, uh, i really didn't i didn 't enjoy splitting my time that way, and even if it warranted different things that I could do with the rest of my time um, i didn 't like compromising in that way and So when I thought through all these things and feelings, and I thought back to this artist, I thought that's never that was never the career that i wanted to have and i was i it was so easy when i kind of had a clear picture of what i wanted to set that those feelings of jealousy down and i can honestly say that since i worked through that i, w- I haven't felt like that and actually th- at that point those feelings actually become some became something positive because i thought i know i never want to do those things but in what ways can i be a little bit more t- intentional in what ways can I curate a little bit better? In what ways can I compromise less? Do still getting the thing what I, which I want, which is to do my work uh, um, five days a week, and, and it became something positive. So, so that, that's that's the so there's so not knowing what you want, it can a make you try to do nothing. B it can try to make you do everything. And then the last thing the last, one of the last biggest problems is that not knowing what you want can cause you to work towards the wrong goals, and when you accomplish those goals you're miserable it's almost sometimes it's worse than if you didn't accomplish anything and i 'm going to tell a little bit of the story so i talk I talked to you um I think it was last podcast about my high school experience, which if you really are interested in what I was up to in high school, what kind of shenanigans I was getting into, go check the last podcast of which I doubt any of you are going to turn this off and, (laughs) and, and fire up that podcast uh, with that prompt. But, um, long story short, I think one of the things that as I was kind of going through that, that I realized is that, um, like, the, the most clarifying thought was that in high school, I wanted to be, I was in a new school from middle school, and I wanted to regain the popularity that I had in the small town that I, uh, that I went to middle school in, and I thought that that would make me really feel fulfilled. But the truth is, the more popular that I became, um, the more miserable I was. And I think a big part of that is, is that I didn't realize what I wanted and in the when I was in middle school, it wasn't the popularity that made me feel secure and fulfilled. It was that I had made really close friends um, who were genuinely close to me. And so what happened is after I'd kind of become somewhat popular in my high school, I ended up... Um, just making some friends from some other schools that I actually had a lot in common with and who actually wanted to be uh, genuine friends. And it wasn't until then that I really had a piece uh, in in my life, and that was towards the end of my high school career. Now, another side to this, and this is the story I want to talk about today, kind of starts with something that um, is a story that partially I want to tell because I think it's such it's a unique story um and then also because I think it it kind of really lends to this idea of uh, how important it is to know what you want so when I was a kid I mentioned I think in a past episode um that my mom had left us so when I was uh I think one or two um my parents were divorced and uh it was just me and my older brother and um through a series of kind of issues and you know when when you're when you're growing up and then as as you grow up and uh you kind of put the story together with bits and pieces of what you kind of find out over the years and so i'm not going to divulge what i maybe think happened but suffice it to say that my mom left us when i was really young um and actually, I think that my mom has a has a uh, a series of um, possible just severe kind of issues um, in her life that kind of uh, have led her to lead a, a fairly sad life in a lot of ways. Um, but I, uh, so as I was a kid, you know, I think I think to when uh, I've got two children right now, and. I've got a, a, a girl um, who is six and a, and a little boy who's two. And um, the little boy is such a mama's boy. And I think of um, how similar we are and how he's the second child. And, um, and I, I get a picture of what I sense I must have been like and how, how much I wanted that nurturing relationship with my mother. And I think that from an early age, that just caused me to, to be very confused emotionally about what I was looking for. I think that and – I, and I think it manifested itself in so many ways. And before I get too um, self-analytical <laughs> um, in my psychoanalysis of my own, of my own experience, which I think has got to be extremely messy and not that wise – I think the the thing that I could take from that is whatever happened there really confused me emotionally about what I was looking for in my relationships. Um, and I think that especially manifested itself when it came to my relationships with uh, girls and women. And so when... So as I was a teenager, I had several... Um, girlfriends, which all kind of ended in very similar ways, like, you know, semi-serious relationships that you, if you can even call them that when you're a teenager, but um, just where I was going into them and what I was asking of these kind of, uh, you know, girls was, was just either too much or I was just very unsure about what it, was, what it is I wanted. And I think when you're not sure about what you want, you end up falling into things. Like I said, you either do nothing, everything, or you achieve things that you never wanted. And I think um, sometimes it's a mixture of all those things. And I think it's not uncommon, actually, for a lot of people, um, probably a lot of people can relate to this, is that when you really don't know what you're looking for in, in, a, in a partner, you can stumble into things that are nothing like what you ever wanted. And 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 what happens is you try to force that person to be something that they could never be. And when you do that, when you're asking that of somebody, it causes them to act in ways that they would never act. And so I had several relationships um, just go super sour. Um, and, and they were just a disaster in so many ways. And I left that experience when I was about 18, um, just really broken about what what that would look like to have a, a good relationship and, and just kind of cynical and skeptical in some degrees. And I feel like some of those feelings became um, a little bit more healthy. But, you know, I feel like that picture of... Of uh, kind of falling into things, um, that messy kind of you know getting kind of things that you want, but they you 're you're not really sure and uh, I, I think that that often is what it looks like when you don 't know what you want in your creative career, and it goes sour. you know either you work for something that you never wanted, and when you get it you 're not satisfied at all it 's nothing like what you thought it would be. But I think the true, uh, the true thing that you need to do before any of this is get really sober in your thinking about what it is I want. And I think that there's, there's some good ways of trying to make that happen. Like anything really worthwhile, it's a lot like falling in love. So it's not something you can just coerce and force and make happen. It, it's something that you have to, you have to be open to. You have to be thinking about. You have to be strategic. You have to be in the right place at the right time, and you need to be working and, and be intentional about it. That's the best way to get it, but it's it's a little bit elusive, which is what all great things are. So you can get out if you if you want to um, try some of the things that uh, that I feel like I do to try to boil down what it is I want. You can get out like a a pen or whatever and write down, these are kind of the the steps or the things that help me Um, or just let it wash over you. And that's what I usually do is just kind of let it soak in and I'll take what I want and leave what I don't want. So here's kind of what I think you should do. This is kind of how I think it should work um, or how, how it often works for me. So the first thing I do is research. That's, that's such a, well, first, first, first thing, um, and I'm taking kind of from the design processes, but it's definitely something I do, which is I define the problem and we already know what the problem is because I've said it 82 times in this podcast, which is knowing what you want, figuring out what it is, why, what do I want from my creative career? And that can be in regards to the types of jobs you want to get, the type of, uh, you know what, what, what your the trajectory over your whole career. It could be what you want your week to look like. It could be, um, yeah, what kind of medium you want to work in. It could be anything. It's all about what. What do you want from your creative career? The second thing, after uh, defining the problem, is research, and this is a really important part. And I think it. Um, I think some of the ways this looks is look at what other artists do, what what other careers are out there, that when you see them, they really speak to you. And then write a little bit about it, like this person does gallery shows, his work's like this, this is kind of what his week looks like, because they're all interconnected. Um, this person does editorial w- work, this is what it would take to do that. I'm, you know, whether I'm willing to do those sorts of things to get that, um, this person does, uh, children's books and it looks like this. And so, so think through all these things and then make a hierarchy because you might want a lot of different things, but make a hierarchy, try to take in what that means for their actual life and the and how it would feel to actually do the work, not just the output, not just like, I'd like to achieve the same thing, but also, that seems like the type of work that I would enjoy doing. Um, so, take, try to be when you're doing this research, try to really think about um, a holistic approach to what it means that these these artists have, and then. I think you need to do further research because I think a lot of artists want to stop there. But the truth is, your life has never been lived, your story has never been told, and, and your thing will never look just like someone else. It can, those people can be signposts, but you have to work under the assumption that the, the song that you're going to sing is a song that's never been sung, so it's not on the Internet. That's one of the things I like to say is the answer is not on the Internet. So that those deep, you know, elusive things, you're not going to find them by surfing the web for five hours. Just that that feeling's not going to be fulfilled. You might dull it by doing that, but you got to dig a little bit deeper than just looking at other people. So then you also need to think about what kinds of things um, have I done that were really fulfilling? What were the kinds of things that I really enjoy doing? Um, What are the kinds of you know, entertainment and, um, and, and, and situations and conversations and all that. Th- take all that into account. What are the things that really move me and excite me and all that? Take a, Just research all that like crazy. When you've got some ideas of like maybe these are the five kind of things that I really want with my creative career, start talking to other people about it. And I kind of liken this to... Um, I liken this to how uh, when you think something, when you think you've got a good idea or something funny, or like a, you know, uh, yeah, just a funny idea or whatever, and you go to somebody and you get ready to tell someone about it. As soon as you start talking, you instantly know whether the idea was good or not. In your head, your ideas almost always sound amazing, but as soon as you start telling somebody you get a really quick sense of, oh, this is actually really stupid, <laughs> or this is really good. And so I think the next step after research is to get feedback. And I think you should go talk to your peers that you respect um, that, that do similar things to what you want to do. So if it's other visual artists, if you're a visual artist, or if you're a musician, other musicians that are in a similar place to you, talk with them about the, these things that you're thinking about. Um, pursuing or these things that you think you want. Talk to somebody who you would consider a mentor or a few people that you would consider a mentor. Talk to people that um, really know you. That That's one of the most important parts. So people that are completely out of your industry, if it's a spouse, a boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, or a, uh, a brother or sister, or best friend, people that just really know you, that maybe don't know your career, and, and talk to them about these are the things I would think I want, and usually those people can be um, a really good lens. Like, well, that doesn't really sound like you. That doesn't, you know, that well, no, I don't think so. You know, so don't take any of that feedback as gospel, but get, get, just take a pool of feedback and let it kind of simmer in you. And then the next thing I think you need to do is go back and start developing um, some specifics about what it would look like to get, um, some of these, a few of these things, start formulating, uh, a plan. Like I would do this, this, and this. Um, and, and for me, that looks like formulating a project. That's what this stage looks like. So the development stage, so you've got the define the problem, the research, the feedback, and the development. When you start developing, to me, it usually looks like a project because a project is a good way, a tangible way of, of trying to achieve something. And so I start developing at this stage um, five to ten different projects that could possibly help me achieve these things that I want. And so when I've kind of really started to develop these things, I take it back to the feedback stage. And I said, you know, I okay, can't get back to these people I talked to. And I said, I know I talked to you guys about um, this, these things that I was wanting to do. Here's the projects that I've come up with. Um, what do you think? Get some feedback. I think it's especially good to come to people that are kind of in your uh, field when it comes to this because I think they can give you a little bit better feedback. Okay, you got that feedback. Next stage, testing. Testing. So go test some of these projects. Don't start any of them for real. Like Don't publicly say, here's the 10 projects I'm starting. No, just test them. Do some of it. Practice what it would feel like doing the project. The thing that's funny about this is that this stage is kind of the make or break because some of those ideas that you were extremely passionate about and thought they were the one from day one, usually your first idea, you're going to go... Start doing them, and they're not like gonna going to feel right. And some of those ideas that you had, the, sometimes they're the ones that you didn't think were good at all or the ones you came up with on the spot or last minute. You start doing those, and those feel amazing. And, you get some, and then, again, I've got three parts of feedback in this. So the next stage is feedback. After you do your test, get people to look at them. Tell people how you're feeling. Work through those problems with other people. And the last, uh, well, it's not the last, second to last thing is start one or two projects that combine a few of the things that you want. The one that, the project that does that the best and that you like the most and that feels the most right. And then commit to the project and give it a timeline. Now, if you're really confused about what you want don 't make this timeline too long. Um, really long projects have some really good uh, payoffs, but if you 're not sure, really sure um, that you want to go this direction. give commit to a like a month or two months of something or you know ten pieces of work some, something that 's substantial as a series of, or a, as a project but something that, um, that you're not going to commit a year to or your whole life to. So commit to that project. And the reason why I think it's so important to commit is that um, anything worthwhile that you want is going to be something that's not easy to achieve. And I think this is maybe the biggest reason why you really need to know what you want is that anything worthwhile you're going to have to run at it with everything you've got. And I can guarantee if it's worthwhile, there are thousands of other people running at it with everything that they've got. There's thousands of other people that have done the process, and they know they want this thing, and they're giving it everything they've got. And that's why you can't afford to not know what you want, and, and, and only half do things. And that's why I think it's so important that you... Take this seriously and commit to something. Because if you don't, you're not always going to feel like doing the project. You're not always going to feel like you want this thing. But if you've done the process, hopefully you're confident enough to commit to one thing and see it through, even the days that you don't want to do it. And when you finish it, you've got one more stage and that's analysis, and you can bring other people in, and it can be another part of feedback. But I analyze, this is what I loved about the project. This is what didn't work. And these are the things I achieved and what I wanted. And this is how it felt to achieve those things. And when you do that whole process, um, I really believe that you're going to get made, I can almost guarantee that you're going to be closer to understand what, understanding what it is you want. And I think just like doing what you love, and just like all things in a creative career, you're never going to be fully satisfied, but that's also the point. So you're never going to know exactly what it is you want, because you're never going to want just one thing. You know, you're, you're, you have a myriad of desires, and they're also going to change as you grow. And so, it, it, you know, it's never finished, but that's actually the good news And so uh, I want to finish telling the story about uh, my love life. (laughs) Uh, Here's what ended up happening. So when I graduated high school, and I've kind of had these terrible relationships in so many ways, I started to think about... um, why it was that these things were going wrong. And I think I concluded that it was a few different things, um, but they were all wrapped in, uh, up in what I wanted. Some of the things that I wanted, I was looking for fulfillment of, of things I wanted um, from, from a, a girl that I needed to get other places. So that was one of the things um some of them were you know spiritual things that i wanted and um that i could never have asked that from from a woman some of them were um things that i wanted from a comp- uh like a uh a, a friend companion you know close friends um some of them were um things that i wanted from a girl that none of these girls had um, that I didn't know that I was looking for, and so here's what I did. I did a really similar. I, I, I don't want this to sound clinical because I don't think relationships should be that or contrived, um, but I do think it really worked. And so I was systematic about thinking up through what it is, what am I actually looking for um, in a in a woman as i as i grow up and it might seem a little extreme but i had a f- i formulated an idea and i made kind of a list of this is these are the kinds of things that i'm looking for in a partner and I had a, I had a kind of a list of 5 it might have been a little bit more of things like these 5 things are the core things and they are non-negotiable so i went to college and uh you know what I realized? I dated enough. I didn't want to date anymore because what I was looking for with my relationship with a woman was th- that list contained, like, commitment. And so when I was looking, you know, meeting people, I was looking for someone that I wanted to marry that I wanted because one of the things on that list is I wanted, um, like, family. That's what I wanted from this relationship was, was family, and so, so, I wanted to find someone I wanted to marry, and the truth is, I really did quit dating and uh the college uh in in England for bachelors is a three year program for the first two years I had no relationships i did um, um i did become i did make some very close friendships um with a few guys that uh, that really fulfilled some of those things that I was looking for um, in, in the friendship department, and I think that actually helped me round out um, and not put so much pressure on what my relationship with, with a woman would be, but I did do that, but for two years, I had no uh zero relationships uh with with girls or or women <laughs> at that stage um, and the reason was is because I didn't meet anybody that had fulfilled those things. Now, um, <laughs> the funny thing is that. Uh, where I met my wife <laughs> is that in, in in the place that I lived it was near the recession and there were no jobs, no jobs but I needed a job and so uh, my older brother helped me get a job where he was working which was Subway and so I worked at Subway while I was at college making sandwiches now in my second year of college there was a sub making competition where all the stores in the area got together and uh it was in that time that I, I I saw a girl that I thought looked really interesting, um, and I hoped that I kind of would bump into her and be able to talk to her, and um, it didn't happen. Another time in that kind of year, my second year, months later, I had to cover a shift at the store that she worked, and I ran into her, and... Uh, didn't really get to talk to her but i i kind of noticed her and um wish that i, I could kind of get to know her better and then probably about a year later in my in the third year of living there this uh girl had to do some shifts at my store and uh I was really excited, even though I'd met a handful of people that I I got. You know, I thought, "Mm, maybe I could kind of have a relationship with this person, and they just weren't anything like what I was looking for. And uh, while while we're making sandwiches, which is the best way to get to know somebody, I started to get to know this girl. And even though those, those top five things manifested... in 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 one or two of them slightly differently than I expected them to. She really was exactly what I was looking for. And uh, (sighs) I get a little bit emotional when I think about this process because um, we started to talk a lot and we started hanging out. And it was one of the best and most intense periods of my life. Because I knew, I knew this is what I wanted, and I'd found it. And on my first date with her, my first really r- a real date, we went to a pub called The Grove. And uh, <clears throat> that pub serves all kinds of beers. It's just like a weird specialty pub. And I remember holding hands with her for the first time. And it was like the most intense experience of my life, as ridiculous as that sounds, but it was just so fulfilling to find this thing that I was looking for, that I knew that I wanted. and I kid you not on my first day on my first date, um, there were kind of two rooms and two different bars, and I walked into the other room of the pub, and I had a friend that worked there, um, and I said to him. I'm gonna marry this girl, <laughs> it, and it was it was as cheesy and ridiculous as it sounds. And a year later, we were married, and I can tell you that our relationship is fantastic, and I love uh, my wife uh, severely. <laughs> I always get emotional when I tell the story, but uh, you know, it's not it's not all. Um, it's not the early days butterfly, you know, stuff anymore. But it's a deep relationship, and it is a it is all the things that I was desperately searching for. Um, and I feel like it's a pretty healthy relationship, and I think that comes from clarifying what I was trying to get out of this thing. And uh, I really believe that as as personal. As that, that that may be, um, I think it's a good picture of this because I think, you know, the last thing that I think happens is that when you don't know what you want, you know, I think the, the there's the three things I mentioned before, which is when you don't know what you want, you do nothing, or you do everything, or you get the wrong thing. The Sometimes um, the, the last problem with not knowing what you want is that even if you had what you wanted, if you really didn't know if you wanted it, you still wouldn't be fulfilled. And that's the saddest part. That's the worst part, is that if I hadn't known exactly what I wanted, maybe I would never have recognized how amazing it was to have found all the things that I wanted in a person. Maybe that wouldn't have been such an amazing experience, but because I really knew it, and I think this is true in your career, if you really know, I want to make a, a kid's book. I want to publish a kid's book in a, in a, um, with a major publisher. And maybe you never know that and you kind of stumble into it and maybe it just never fulfills you. You never, you never actually get the satisfaction because you didn't really know if you wanted it in the first place. And I think that's maybe the most tragic side of not knowing what you want. And so... Uh, I think I feel the need to lighten things up a bit since, <laughs> since I got a little bit in, intense here on the show, but I, I want, I really do want to um, be honest and open on the show and I want to be able to um, share my life with you and in, in hopes that it might have an impact on, uh, on, on what you do. And so uh, I hope that you could uh, get something from this and I hope that you, uh, I hope that you find what you want. I, fi- I hope you, and not just actually finding what it is you want, but actually no uh, finding w- finding what you want in the first place. Um, so yeah, I, ho- I hope this has been a help to you. I hope that you, uh, I hope that you can, um, if you're you are confused in this area, which is one of the worst feelings. And, and the other thing I was going to say is, as you start, um, and, you know, I really do kind of believe that. There are things, there are forces um, it's, uh, out there that want to stop you from doing this process, want to stop you from really thinking through and being mindful about what it is you want, because I think that's the real first stage to finding it. And if you don't want to get weird and get spiritual on it, you can even look at it as some of these forces are just competition. Like your competition don't always want you to know how they get what they do. How, they, how do they get what they got? And so even if it's as simple and practical as that, I think there are forces out there that want to stop you from finding what it is you want. And I think it's a, it's a pursuit that's, that's worth going through. And I think when you start doing it, it should feel painful. Like that should be, that should be the feeling that tells you you're doing something meaningful. So I thought, so So I hope that helps and uh, keep coming back to the creative pep talk podcast where I want to give you a pep talk to help inspire you to keep going and also to hopefully enable breakthroughs um, in your creative uh, career. Um, Thanks, and uh, I'll see you soon.